0: Hello, Sopranos Podcast fans. I'm Chris D'Amato, your host, and I wanted to start today's episode with a little something different, just to let you all know, because we really value our listeners. Those of you who reach out to us, send us messages, follow us on social media, comment telling us how much you like our show or how much we've helped enhance your enjoyment of The Sopranos, the show that we all love. So it is in the spirit of that appreciation and respect for our audience that I, as the host and producer of this show... Felt necessary to come on and apologize for the show that we have presented to you this week. This is unfortunately the first time in the two years since we've been doing the Sopranos podcast that I, as a producer of this audio content, am legitimately not proud of the quality of what I'm putting out. There are several reasons for the bad quality, one of which is a very poor connection on the end of our host, Paul, and so his audio is very spotty, particularly in the early half of the episode. It does get a little better as it goes. And the second thing is I was recovering from COVID. I had a upper respiratory infection. I spent so much time editing, chopping out coughs and wheezing and all sorts of things like that. And I was on medications to treat these al- these <laughs> various ailments. And so I wasn't on top of my game as a host And when I was doing the initial audio capture, there are things I could have done that I missed. So I apologize for what came out. Uh, Some of it is going to be a little bit difficult to listen to. That said, I want to let you know that we have recorded episodes beyond this episode already. And they're in the editing process now. And this problem will not be this bad again. I can promise you that. And I have some plans in place in between seasons four and five, because we're nearing the end of season four, that are going to help us step things up a bit going into the final two seasons, because we want to squeeze every last juicy morsel we can out of this show's analysis in its excellent final two seasons. So we have some uh, opportunities coming, perhaps a Patreon and other ways to reach out and uh, upgrade our show here for the final two seasons so thank you so much for staying with us once again i apologize for the spotty audio quality i really want to put out better than this you deserve better than this and we'll be back in better two weeks from now for your audio sunday dinner that you know and love thank you all so much and enjoy the episode Season four, baby, we are on the move. Back half, almost done, wrapping things up in style. The Sopranos Podcast, season four, episode 10. Sad clown, angry clown. You have too much time to think about yourselves. That's a quote from Svetlana in this episode of The Sopranos, season four, episode 10, entitled The Strong Silent Type. Get your notepads out, there's a long list here. Teleplay by Terrence Winter. Robin Green and Mitchell Burgess story by David Chase and directed by Alan Taylor. Boys, we're getting close to the wrap up on season four. It snuck up on us, but uh, here we are. What an episode. Uh, This is one of those ones that again, and season four is becoming an expert in this, the episode where it's a slow simmer, but that simmer is getting more intense and each episode, it feels like oop, the top of the pot is starting to come off a little more, and it's clinking and clattering. It feels like we're setting up for a big explosion soon, and I love the way the tension is just dripping here. This is uh, there's a lot of interesting thematic elements too that tie into the larger Sopranos mythos as a whole. This whole idea of the strong silent type and Americanism. I'm excited to cover it with you. I'm Chris D'Amato. I'm Paul Mazzini. And I'm Jordan Hugh. And this is it. What are you guys' initial thoughts and gut reactions to The Strong Silent type?
1: Uh, I, I think this episode pays off quite a bit, which yeah. is always nice to see. Uh, a lot of times you have to wait a full season to get a payoff on certain narratives. And that's not to say that we're done with any of those. But Chris's addiction has been a problem for quite a long time now. And to see that quite literally confronted on the show in a way that really paused everything else that was happening was really, really satisfying. It's also nice to meet Tony where he is and get him to kind of reckon with the fact that maybe he's finally realizing he's not the strong silent type, something (laughs) the viewer has certainly caught on to, something we've said a lot on the show. Yeah. Uh, I was actually doing a little bit of reading. I didn't realize that's one of the things he says in the pilot Mm-hmm. is is something that he brings up so it's it's amazing how long it takes us to really turn around to get him to finally confront the fact that it, it can't be further from the truth he's he's not the strong silent type uh, at all and now he's he's first to really reckon with that
0: yeah both therapeutic concepts that come up the strong silent type reference and the sad clown reference are things tony said in the pilot
1: oh say i didn't realize sad clown was also from the pilot okay great gotcha yeah. So Um, we're
0: really calling back. They're paying off threads that began in season one, episode one here.
1: Yeah. Um, There's also just a nice little, I don't know if we want to call it an epilogue or a a cap on the the Pio Mai business with the arrival, of course, of the painting. Mm. And then uh, the episode does something that is typical, but typically good with the latter halves of these um, last few episodes of The Sopranos, which is just it presents a, a, a few threats to Tony's life and livelihood in the form of what's going on with New York and how angry are they about this whole HUD uh, scheme that has been playing through the season. So this is a this is a really good, really effective, functional episode in terms of really honoring everything
2: that's been brought up this season. It's a really powerful episode. It's uh, got probably the funniest scene in the history of the show. Correct. Other than that, the episode is... Uh, (laughs) other than that the episode is absolutely infuriating even that scene is pretty infuriating because of how fucked these characters are and how in denial they are as it happens totally unrelated to our podcast i've been reading some more of uh, james baldwin's nonfiction lately and he's in a speech that there's something very sick about a society that thinks gary cooper was a real guy Hmm. and sure enough In this episode, taking into this concept, and it's not real. Jordan talked about, and we recorded in the second season, uh, the Happy Wanderer. It's not, uh, the Gary Cooper icon is not any more real than the Happy Wanderer is, but it tasks these characters. There's irony all over the place. The closest thing to an actual strong silent type, which is supposed to be the embodiment of the American man is neither American nor a man. It's Svetlana. Yeah. Uh, at least as I read it. And I agree with what Jordan said. There's something very big in terms of paying things off in this episode, but also like the last episode, even though so much is coming home to roost, I don't feel like anything is quite resolved. As Jordan mentioned, the, the second half of these episodes are leaving these threads hanging over us, like, oh, my God what the hell is gonna happen next? Which of course means you have to keep going. You have to keep watching these one forwards um, that are now pushing us forward a big final few episodes. Uh, It's very well done, uh, really watchable. And again, I think in spite of how frustrated I got with the characters, probably the funniest scene the show ever did, the intervention scene. Sure.
0: Yeah, well, It's frustrating because it's one of those episodes, I agree, Paul, that the frustration is an interesting word to use. Just because things are paid off or concluded in some respect doesn't mean that it's resolved. Resolution, these are, many times the resolutions on The Sopranos only complicate the problems further, which is A, good storytelling just on paper. But I don't know, at this point in season four, it's okay to ask big questions of this show as far as like, what is the goal of Tony's therapy at this point? What can actually be done with this man? And are these situations ever going to get better? This might be the first time in the series where I start to question or lose hope that perhaps any of this can even be marginally improved, but let's see what happens. Let's go through it from the top here. Uh, What a start. Uh, just off the bat, tragedy, death, misery, there's a lot of it in this episode. And Chris is watching an episode of The Little Rascals and shooting up. And uh, very fun imagery on the screen, by the way. I like this big monkey carrying the kid off. And of course, the monkey on Chris's back is about to carry him off in, in, in much the same way. His addiction is finally hitting its boiling point. He is looks horrible. His skin is pale and clammy and he just every pet owner, especially if you have a small pet, like a cat or a small dog like this, a nightmare scenario for a pet owner, you go to sit down and plop. The dog gives a little squeak and he passes out on little Cosette. I can't say I will like a character brings up later. I won't miss the barking, but, uh, that is uh, certainly not the way I wanted poor little Cosette to be written off the show. <laughs> yeah. Any thoughts on this opening before we get to Carmela's haircut?
1: Well, I, my thought was in, in reflecting on that scene, of course, it is so pitiful how the poor dog dies, but it's also like kind of funny, guys. Come on. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's really horrible, but it is sort of clownish buffoonish and like listen of course adriana is heartbroken but also did any of us like that dog like did you know it is and and the manner in which it's killed it is horrible but it is also weirdly funny but that is kind of the whole situation is that it's all like kind of a this episode paul said it really well in the intro the opening thoughts is that it is is so frustrating how disrespectful all of this is handled but there is there's a humor to it like kind of a sick humor oh this is i would call this episode flat out a black comedy yeah. because
0: and that's embodied even in the final shot we'll get to it but what Paulie does to the painting this what this painting the pain and anguish <laughs> this painting represents to tony and he looks ridiculous in it and it's looming over Paulie and there's this kind of absurd black comic energy Pervading the entire episode, so yeah, yeah, it, it, it,
1: it is, it is, it is clownish. Even to like, I, I would consider almost uh, sitting down on a dog, if it were a cartoon, would be <laughs> just a, a clownish like stunt. But yeah. because it's happening in the real world, the world of The Sopranos, it's a tragedy.
2: Yeah, uh, I, uh, I, I'm not particularly proud of myself when I laugh at the line. She must have crawled under there for warmth, but that's <laughs> fucking funny. I, I mean the guy's ridiculous and he's S. Um, And of course we'll get to Tony's whole <laughs> weird outsized reaction and what brings him back to that imagery. I know what it's like to lose a pet. What's most devastating, probably as you guys said, that Cosette was kind of an annoying dog. What's probably most upsetting is that to Adriana, this dog was a, Kind of a replacement or a stand-in for the child that she's not sure yes she can have yeah. but she wants to she wants to marry chris she wants to have children with him and in a state of complete uh he's spaced out on junk he sits on the dog cuts off the dog's air supply and kills it i mean yeah, yeah it's horrible but as you guys said it's bleakly funny and it does But as you guys also noted, I think it sets up both the humor and the darkness that this episode is going to shepherd us through. Hmm. I'm going to add one further to that, Paul.
0: It is the dog is not only a surrogate for the child, potentially, that she may never get to have because of the reproductive uncertainty there. But also uh, looking around at this episode, Adriana's World, the last several episodes... What else does she have going on that gives her any joy in her life? Chris is out to lunch. Chris is out to lunch. The club has been, which could have been an outlet for her creativity has been taken over by the mob guys and, and corrupted. Mm -hmm. The feds are up her ass. She's becoming physically ill, rotting from the inside as annoying as this yipping little dog is. I have to imagine that that provided some level of comfort to her gone. This is the last straw. This was, the moment that
1: adriana had to confront it absolutely yes and and that is is made so clear just her everything as you said has deteriorated for her and the dog is the last straw or maybe just the symbol of the last of her uh happiness yeah, yeah. absolutely next
0: scene poor benifazio uh doesn't get a no hello no come on in for coffee just opens the door where's furio no so this is uh this has been brewing all season. Each episode, we talk about this, these feelings between Carmel and Furio getting more intense. Furio's due back in America. Uh, but Benny uh, is here. She doesn't offer him coffee. Doesn't even bring him into the kitchen. He just sits at a chair in the hallway.
1: Sure. The the flavor actually reminded me a little bit of when Vic Musto sent the other wallpaper guy to yes. the house. Do you know what I mean? Just the yes. same the same disappointment.
0: Yep. I like that. Good callback. We, as the viewers, get acquainted as she's primping in the mirror with Carmela's new haircut.
1: Uh, Which is fully the Teresa Caputo Long Island medium haircut that was like rampant at this time. I, I had at least 15 women in my life with that same haircut at that time.
0: One thousand percent. Yeah, this was this was big. There were a lot in this cluster of episodes in particular. I don't think I, I think 20 years later, The Sopranos doesn't feel as dated as some other shows of that era. But in this cluster of episodes we're in right now, there are a lot of things that are very evocative, evocative of the era, but like that post not nine 11 kind of feeling in America. And th- this haircut was all over the place. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. I would say particularly among Italian women, mm-hmm. uh, it really, it was. Yeah. And Tony doesn't, uh, doesn't much like it.
0: He comes down, notices it, uh, not initially he has to, he's so checked out of anything going on with Carmela. They're on they, they might as well just be on different planets at this point, because they are not interacting, communicating. Tony has to do a double take to notice the hair. What do you think? It's short. I thought you were going to talk to me before doing anything with your hair. There's no recovering it at that point. Even if Tony said, yeah, no, it looks beautiful. He blew it. And yeah, the power dynamics that Tony You know, I feel like that's kind of always a. Her her hair reflects just how much she's changed in this year. It's her mind is.
1: Yeah, women also, uh, I don't think it would be unfair to say women often change their hair uh, to signify a change in life. Uh, Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's after a breakup. Sometimes it's after the loss of a loved one. Uh, We're left to believe that maybe Carmela's short haircut is to precipitate great change or to respond to something within herself. So I think that's totally valid.
2: Uh, Tony says later, I know what it's like to lose a pet. I think it's one of the only things that he knows how to possess. Um, Pets don't get haircuts. They don't practice their own will. Tony, like, doesn't get this
0: power dynamics that tony expects and deals with in his relationships with humans is not present in animals they'll love you unconditionally we've talked about this and why tony became so attached with pi oh my you can check that episode out but yeah cut to the multisanti abode and he's still passed out hours later and on top of cosette adriana comes home sees it Paul, the funny line, she wants to crawled under there for warmth. That's a preposterous thing to say.
2: <laughs>
0: and uh I, I didn't kill her. I must have sat on her. He, how many? How long I've been saying she shouldn't be on the furniture. These are all very funny lines for something that is objectively terrible. But yeah. Uh, but Adriana is beside herself. She goes in the other room. I don't want another dog. She's sobbing because you were fucking high. This is uh this something was broken here. Next scene, Tony does a very good job here, I think. Of not that he's fooling everybody, as we'll find out in a few scenes, but Tony's doing a very good job of pretending he doesn't know where Ralph is. Uh, as far as if you're looking at it from an FBI standpoint, there's calls going out from the Bing to Ralphie's voicemail. He's asking around. Anybody seen Ralph? They're playing pool check the gay man's choir heard they're having tryouts uh said great
1: great line
0: <laughs> and they're all kind of shitting around tony's pretending to look for ralph anybody seen him and the package comes the other comic thread going through this episode tony pulls out the picture he had commissioned of Pio Mai, and it's a great picture it's exactly what he wanted no ralphie it's Elegant and pastoral, but he can't bear to look at it without a word. He storms out, forfeits the money to Paul and Silvio. That's our money. That's a forfeit. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, on the road, can't even say it in person, has to call a few minutes later on the road and say, burn it. I never want to see the fucking thing again.
1: Yeah. Uh, And uh, significant, of course, that he asks to have it burned, which, of course, was the the fate of the real Pai Yeah.
2: This scene, as funny as it is, I think nicely demonstrates how these characters aren't going to be able to help each other. They're not going to be able to help Chris when it comes around. They're too committed to their lies. Tony and Chris share a lie about Ralphie. Uh, Polly's just going to grab up the money. As Chris, you mentioned, Tony calls from the car. They're too isolated. They're too committed to their bullshit. And they can't really talk to each other, even about stuff that's truly painful. Mm. As Tony will later stay in therapy, we don't talk about this stuff. Yeah. So, what what shot is the intervention going to have? I think even this scene starts to show us this is going nowhere. Yeah, yep, all well said.
0: Furio's not going nowhere though. Furio's back in the U.S. and uh, I love this sequence of him yeah, in the
1: what car. a what is it what a sequence yeah what is this
0: <laughs> this is this is life in north jersey uh, post 9-11 all the american flags burger king the questionable spa and the bluetooth <laughs> <laughs> cab driver who you're not certain i hate that by the way when 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 you're not sure if someone's talking to you and then you're like what and then they're on the phone and uh, that kind of thing so I get it. But Furio is very clearly in North Jersey, 2002, 2001, mm-hmm. if, it, if, it, if it was not clear. Yeah. <laughs> and he doesn't look thrilled to be back, but he also wasn't thrilled in Italy, too. This we're going to get back to his malaise about his yeah. location soon. Silvio, Albert and Patsy are having lunch. Word is out, at least rumors. Right. Ralphie's disappeared. Silvio offers Albert after he makes a little innuendo to speak off the record here, Albert. So whatever story or lie is going to get cooked up to cover the murder of Ralph Cifaretto, the rumblings are there. And I think Patsy has the key line to me in this scene, which is, if it could happen to him, it could happen to any of us.
1: Yeah. This is a a scene that does a really nice job of ratcheting up the tension and reminding us that there are going to be consequences for the fact that Ralph was killed. We just don't know
2: how it's going to happen and to whom? Correct. Yeah, my only note with that scene was not good. Yeah. Like as Jordan mentioned, I don't know what's going to happen or what's going to come out of this, but even Silvio, typically Tony's right hand, as Albert points out, he said that that guy would be the first one line to pull his fucking plug. So does the Tony? Does the danger extend to Tony here? I don't know, but whatever it is, I just I get a bad feeling from this scene.
0: Yeah. The point is Tony and Chris didn't kill Ralphie in a vacuum. It's out right. there. The horse died. Tony and Ralphie, the story is, is buzzing around. Whether or not it sticks, we'll find out. But the idea yeah. that Ralphie disappeared under suspicious circumstances is not.
1: Yeah, it's it's not good. The only thing that's working in their favor that we as as the viewers uh might think is, is a good thing, at least for Tony, is that. Ralph was really disliked and had a lot of enemies. So yeah. it, it could plausibly have been a few people, but they already smell something. They already kind of know in a, in a weird subtextual way.
0: Mm-hmm. Last time we saw Furio, he was in Italy talking with uh, an elderly male relative. I think it was his uncle or his, his father's brother.
1: Yeah, his uncle. Yeah. yeah.
0: And uh, the status of the situation was laid very clear by this man. Either you kill Tony or forget about it, because those are your options if you want to really have this love affair with Carmela. And so I wrote, Furio is trying here. He's really trying his best. He has to show up to pick up Tony. He's back. He has these bag of gifts. But Carmela asks him to come inside, do their usual coffee, their visit in the morning before Tony comes down the stairs, however long that may be. And Furio says, No, I'm gonna wait in the car. And he sticks to his guns, gives her a bag of gifts that Carmela then goes through. You got Dante's Inferno and a little Italian booklet there for Meadow, a little keychain, that little man, as Carmela calls him later. And nothing, nothing for her. And you can see it on her face. What's going on here?
1: Yeah. Um it, there, in a very Remains of the Day-esque fashion, it is the absence of Furio's affection that is kind of the proof of it, yes. right? Uh, I mean, you, and you can see it plain on her face that there is this recognition of, there's of course the disappointment that she didn't get a gift, but there's also the, the noted, why didn't I get a gift? And why didn't he come in? And, and now there's like this trail of emotional breadcrumbs that's yes. very much like, it's the person you don't touch. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's because, well, why didn't they touch this person? Oh, because the touching is too honest, you know, mm-hmm.
0: Very astute Jordan. Had he gotten her a gift? She still could have a thought process in her head. Is he feeling it too? Is it, you know, but the by, by virtue of the fact that he is stepping off the gas noticeably here. It's so this is real as she tells Rosalie. Oh, it is real. Interesting development. We'll come back to the gifts later furio is crying i love this cut this is a classic sopranos moment here i'm nothing I'm, furio's crying he's obviously he's sad that he he has a longing for carmella he's just as in love as she is tony notices i'm sad for my father all right but you got to get over it cut to tony blubbering That's, in yeah, therapy thanks tony
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> can't cry for your dad just casually while you're picking up tony to drive around and <laughs> north caldwell and, and montclair and all the beautiful places that he probably frequents in his day-to-day but you know then just absolute drenched in tears and therapy that's a really <laughs> brilliant cut and darkly funny as well
1: and i think the first time that we get almost like a No, you know what? I'm sorry. This is not really true. Later in the episode, we're doing these contrasting shots of the two of them. But that is almost the first one in a way.
0: Mm. Mm -hmm. He's describing the picture. He's very upset by it. He brings up this sad clown idea again. And Melfi, I like that she pushes back on it. When Tony brought it up the first time, they were just getting started on therapy. But she says to him, you know, you described yourself this way. I've never seen it you cover up sadness with rage, not humor. And uh, Tony doesn't take it well. And also is brings up the fact that he's been doubling his dosage. And uh, Melfi gives the line. It's not a treatment for grief, which is great. This is a great scene. This is one of my favorite Melfi Tony scenes this season so far, actually. And she talks about uh, you haven't, it's a horse. you know, it's sad that you lost something you love that said it is a horse, which is a funny wordplay, in my opinion, because Tony was told when the Tracy thing happened, she's just a whore. Horse, whore. There's a similar sounding thing there. Evocative. Uh, for sure. Yep. Yeah. I think that's deliberate and evocative. And uh, Tony says, what the fuck's the matter with you? And Melfi says, the only time you've gotten this emotional is here is for those ducks. You haven't grieved in this way for people. And Tony replies, can I be sad for something that doesn't have this Freudian shit component to it? Then he brings up all of the problems in his life. This is a great scene. I've been talking too long. What do what do you guys make of of this awesome? This is a gr- this is a really awesome Tony Melphy scene. It's been a while since we've had one that felt this substantive to what's going on with him.
1: I mean, it's a it's a great therapy scene. Uh, one of the noted ones of this season in its entirety. Again, uh, like I said right at the top, when you asked for my initial thoughts, it uh, I don't necessarily want to say pays off, but it it really creates like the best chapter or best recent chapter an installment of just like how Tony sees himself is totally wrong. It, it is totally wrong. It is totally other than everyone else's experience with him. He's the farthest thing from the strong silent type. And worse than that, he sees himself as this character worthy of pity. This sad clown who goes about putting on a a smile on his face while on the inside he's crying. Does anyone see that from Tony? Like you, you laugh hearing that from him in therapy. I'm surprised, uh, frankly, actually, Melfi almost laughs herself. She smiles, right? Um, He is, he's the angry clown, right? She calls him right out for that. You usually respond to these things with rage and, and we know exactly how much rage, right? I, I mean, he can't even say what he really does. Uh, of course it's it's murder, <laughs> you know, that's, that's the furthest extent of, yeah, This good, strong silent type. Good. Jo-
2: yeah, for sure. Great. Yeah. Uh, yes, it is a great therapy scene because of Tony's lies and obfuscations. His, uh, the way he bullshits and obfuscates is dizzying. Frankly, I mean, I, I had trouble keeping up with it in the scene. Yeah. Uh, Jordan's eloquent, framing of the sad clown versus the angry clown. Um, people who do take uh, these kinds of medicines know that doubling your dosage like that is not effective. And there's a reason that there's a reason that dosages work the way they do. You can't take 80 milligrams of Prozac because even if it works in some way, you're going to be a lump of clay. That's <laughs> why, th- that's why they give it in smaller doses. Hello. <laughs> the Rodney King Jr. Stuff. Great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> really funny the last deflection is a big one because tony says to melfi and i think jordan's right he sees himself in the wrong way or he doesn't he's not willing to look hard enough maybe he says "Hey, come on this is me you don't have to bullshit with me and she goes there she says you've caused much suffering yourself next set of lines is a deflection my wife prays to god what kind of god does shit like this um listeners please send your hate mail to pfmancini at gmail.com all lowercase (laughs) don't task chris and jordan with this but my view is the one of the reasons that human beings invented god is to assuage our own guilt that's what tony is embodying there he's actually a normal guy in a lot of ways he's not special he's just bullshitting
1: Hmm. very good
0: paul (laughs) i really like the uh
2: yeah
1: uh, well and I, I don't think Paul is wrong but to offer a different interpretation it's it's really amazing that Tony cannot even stop to consider that uh if there if there is a God uh Tony is his instrument to wreak havoc upon other people uh mm. Tony Tony just will never see himself in this way uh in our earlier seasons I think I referred to Tony as kind of like death come knocking in some ways he really is we have to see Tony as... a a literal destructive force in other people's lives so it is just it is just dizzying to hear that he doesn't see that himself
0: season four is interesting in this way this is not the first time tony has wrestled with his perception the episode where glory he finds out gloria committed suicide the question he asks multiple characters what the fuck am i a toxic person Yes, Tony. Yes. Yeah.
1: Radioactive, straight up radioactive. Everything
0: yeah. around you rots and withers. <laughs> it's not that hard to, to see if you're at all self-aware. And I think the reason and th- this is also tackled in a great season two episode, I believe it's house arrest where Melfi poses the question, do you know why a shark has to keep moving? And that's very much, Tony has to keep the lies has to keep the manipulations the obfuscations going because if he stops for three seconds to think
1: about the web of misery he's created, it would drive anyone nuts to Paul's point. Sure. And to, to harken back to earlier this season, it's also why he can't give up the life. Mm. He entertains constantly this idea of early retirement, but then he would have no outlet for this rage, no outlet uh, or way to satiate these appetites. Um, Tony can't live a normal life because he's just at the end of the day, not a normal person.
0: Adriana is still snitching. This turns quickly into a discussion about Christopher. He's fucking high all the stoned on H. Uh, The agent tells her that they got her on a mailing list for Hazelden, which is a a rehab facility. Adriana mentions also something to the effect of that's what all those brochures are coming from. Then this little dog rolls up next to them. I I have to say it's it's sad that I I did have to laugh at this because the dog was very cute. This is one of my favorite, just off topic for a second, this is one of my favorite things in life when you're on the road and you just like look to your left and all of a sudden there's a yep. dog head right in the window. Yep. That's that's just one of those moments of it, it is
1: truly one of life's little pleasures. It's yes. just a dog sticking its head out the window while you're stuck in traffic. Yes. Yep. So to see
0: Adriana burst into tears over it made me laugh because it's one of the happiest things in life. And of course she can't enjoy it because it's terrible. <laughs> Cut to Pauly and Silvio waiting for Christopher with the, uh, to pick up some TVs. I'm not exactly certain what they're doing, but they're talking about high-definition TVs, and Pauly was in the store watching on the waterfront. Fuck quote, fucking Carl Molden's nose hairs look like BX cables. <laughs> 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 Great line. They're calling him Chrissy. We're waiting for the TVs. And where is Chris not picking up his phone? driving around a impoverished neighborhood. I'll use that word pull to, to uh, not denigrate wherever he was, <laughs> but not a, not a place you would uh, maybe feel safe driving around at night or anytime looking for heroin. And he pulls off to this character who is off for what do you want, buys his weed, and the guy carjacks him. Motherfucker, you know who I am. And uh, this is a a low moment in the life of Chris Moltisanti, I would say, getting ripped out of the car. And again, going back to our Darkly comic thing, he's getting beaten in a filthy street over a car, some heroin, mouth and off. Do you know who I am? Right now, you're the junkie on the ground getting beaten with a plastic xylophone. That's who who you are right now. Very funny. Every time he's getting whacked, ding, ding, ding. But also really tragic and fucked up <laughs> which yeah that's, that's the spine of this episode is and
2: a- and and very funny yeah yes. very funny it's interesting because i agree with you guys it is it has this comic quality but like i think one of the things chris says uh, is you know who i am you know who the fuck i'm with no they don't yeah. um there's no mem there's no membership card what do these guys know they and he's mouthing off them. they could have killed him yeah they could have killed him he is super reckless in this, he's a little too mouthy anyway, as um, for isn't good in this instance, he is super reckless, and it's getting worse.
0: Yeah, so his, 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 he, he's not in his faculties, he's completely out of his fucking mind. And by the way, you know, no offense to Christopher, his mind is not uh, particularly sharp at and the best of times, <laughs> yeah, so. He gets roughed up, cut to this lovely dinner being had at the Soprano household. Tony, of course, fiddling the, this homemade crap, quote unquote, the wine Furio brought. The cork broke off. That is a frustrating experience. But Carmela defends the wine. She's off in space. Tony's talking. She's not paying attention. She's trying to filter out the bits of cork, thinking about the wine, thinking about where Furio got it, thinking about anything but what Tony is talking about. Talking about Tony's going on about Ralph, again, creating this web of bullshit. They're both not thinking about what they're doing. We're actually thinking about her doing. She uses this flimsy, my mom's skin condition thing. She left the gizzards in the bird. What's wrong with you? Tony asks. She's just very distracted, obsessed with the wine when she gets back to the table. Tony is there with Hugh and talking about his horse interesting dinner scene here just uh, touching back down on everything but again establishing that Tony and Carmella are on to quote a family guy joke two different wavelengths <laughs> <laughs> and the pace is picking up here too because they get to this next scene very quickly it's a direct follow-up this <laughs> hilarious guy is with Christopher dropping him off adriano's like what happened i got beat up stop touching it he's bleeding he's really really fucked up he could have been killed this guy got him home he's asking for 30 bucks carmel's Adri- Adri- Adriana's like who the fuck are you he's good people adriana yeah good people and i, I love adriano's reaction when she, she finally just tells him get the fuck out of here what are you doing that's my friend she's like that's your friend <laughs> <laughs> I lo- love that little moment but then, it, of course, it, it, it uh, takes a dark turn. This is unfortunately for a character that uh, you somehow can't help but love on some level. This is the Chris Moltisanti at his worst is when he is abusing Adriana to, to me for my money. And yep. she brings up the brochures. You got me on mail lists for junkies. Now backhand punches are twice very hard. Where do you get the balls? Where steals money out of her purse and storms out. Thoughts on this whole sequence, going back even to the dinner, if you have anything to say,
2: if I steamrolled over that. Uh, Infuriating, as I said before. Another thing that's interesting, I don't think I really realized this until I watched this episode this time. Adriana has not been in a space where she is, oh, thinking throughout several episodes, Chris has a drug problem and we need to deal with it in the normative way. She is at the end of her rope she wordlessly grabs this flyer that San Severino said to the FBI has been... They put him on the mailing list and hands it to him. Like, last option. Like, w- what else can we do? That's where she is when she hands him that flyer. And in response, he smacks her around, robs money from her in front of her face and walks out. I, I don't know. Yeah. What else is there to say? He's lost in the world and, and her... Her life is just I mean, talk about the Inferno. Her life is hell. It would be hell even if the FBI wasn't didn't have her on the chain. And they do. Yeah. Shame on the
0: FBI, by the way, for not foreseeing that he would at least react harshly to this. I don't know. Maybe they they, obviously they don't they don't don't care. They don't give a shit. Yeah,
1: they don't. They don't care. It's whatever serves their ends. She gets beat up. So what? They don't. I don't care about her um mm. it's the you know it's the lowest moment for the chris character in many ways it's the lowest moment for the adriana character um it's it's just really fucking sad it's not, nothing funny about this scene very bad yeah.
0: there's a great conversation in the wire uh show i've actually going through right now where uh the drug addict character bubbles is talking with someone who is a part of narcotics anonymous and says a lot of people to get out of recovery, to get into recovery, have to see that bottom coming up at them. This this is, I don't know if it's bottom necessarily for Chris Moltisanti and Adriana, but I have to imagine it's pretty fucking close. (laughs) At least the seventh or eighth layer of hell.
1: Right, we should acknowledge that um, he's been abusive to her in the past. This actually is not the first time that he's hit her. It is the first time he's punched her. Mm. Of course, that crosses a line, but things have not been good prior to this. Even in previous seasons, when things were not as escalated, I would have hoped she would have moved on from him. But we've now learned much more about Adriana and how really alone she is, and how dependent she is on Christopher. She really doesn't have a lot of other options, and I think a lot of women find themselves in that position.
0: Yeah, it's easy to judge and say, "Well, why didn't you leave that creep?" And right, but we don't.
1: You're not them. You know, you don't know what it's like to live that life. You know, if
0: it were that easy, more of them would. (laughs) It's. That's really yeah, reality. I mean,
1: and now even more for Adriana, I don't think she sees the road out of this. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the intervention scene in this episode, which we're coming up to talking about, is very funny, but it does come about because she's out of options. There's yeah. nothing else left to do, really. Yeah.
0: Even if in some fantasy world before she got tagged by the fbi she could have somehow gotten away from christopher went to california and lived another life. i mean even if she were to leave christopher right now she's a fugitive from the law they have a cocaine charge over her head so she is that if more than anything oddly curiously enough
1: the fbi coming down on her sealed her in it did and of course uh, she sealed in from both sides because if the fbi doesn't come after her the, the family will, I mean, the mob, the mob will. They can't let her go knowing everything she knows. They don't even know what she knows. We'll get a scene very, very shortly. It might be even the next scene where Tony looks at them and says, you know, we got to handle this with the family. Oh, I got to spell it out for you. Yeah. Um, Adriana has consequences on both ends. I mean, there's there's no safe way out of this. The next scene
0: begins with one of the best O's in the whole show for my money. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of great compilations on YouTube, by the way, of all the O's and O's in the Sopranos, uh, but Paulie pulling up to the bing as uh, little Paulie is burning the picture, kicks out the fire, waves, picks it up, waves it. And what is this about? Is this just Paulie being greedy Penny pinching kind of guy sees value in this thing. Uh, I I don't buy the bullshit. I want to. I'd be an honor to hang his picture in my house. Do you have something on this, Paul?
2: Oh shit! I was going to ask you guys what it's about. <laughs> yeah, I don't I, don't, I don't. I mean, I think <laughs> I think it could. I, I'm just thinking it could be about a couple things that it's on the maybe. As Tony looks at himself the wrong way, does Pauly think of himself in this wrong way that? On the one level, yes, it would be an honor to put up his picture in my house. But on the other hand, functionally, polly has been betraying Tony this season.
0: That's what Again, I mean, is, is he, this a move that they, they've never been at a worse? Does it assuage point?
2: his own guilt?
0: Yeah, that's a oh, as a guilt thing, yeah. And that maybe that's why the picture haunts him so much because he feels like he's being watched by his uh,
2: the guy he's betraying. Well, yeah, and what is with these eyes staring at us at the end of episodes? We'll we'll get to that, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I, I, it could even just be simpler than that. I mean, I like that reading better, but I, I think it could just be that Paulie's just a, just a dullard. He just really doesn't... <laughs> he's like, yeah, it's probably worth a lot of money. I want to hang it up on my... Because he has no taste. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's he's tacky. He's got a... You know, his chair is covered in cellophane. Or what do you know? I mean, it's just that's
0: that's poly. <laughs> the know. furniture cover kills me. That's so old school Italian. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, and then also, I mean, this line is not delivered as a joke. He's kind of serious when he's saying, Oh, painting like that is worth what $25,000 or something yeah. like that. that's yeah. fucking wild. And you know, I mean, paid,
0: I, what did he pay? Like, sets he paid five, six, six, six
1: grand, grand, I think, for it. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, it's it's wild.
0: Yeah. Oh man, I never understood that. If anyone out there has any more insight on this, I'd love for you guys to send emails to the Sopranos Podcast at gmail.com about furniture covers like that in old Italian houses. But I never my, under-
1: my grandmother had them.
0: Yeah, I never understood the logic because the logic is I paid a lot of money. This is nice stuff. I don't want to ruin it. But if you have that cover on it, you're never really enjoying the actual furniture. You know, I don't, you know what I
1: mean? I don't, I don't know. I don't, yeah. yeah. And it's it just, was it was kind of cultural. It really yeah, was big time.
0: Yeah. Big time. That's funny. Send us in your 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 furniture cover stories, uh, Italian listeners out there.
1: Moving on yeah, here, but um, oh, actually, just just one last oh, thing yeah, in yeah, this please. scene. I I kind of already been stated, but like it, again, this whole thing with the painting, it, it again just speaks to Pauly's lack of taste, which we've seen many 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 times. So I think this is this is another chapter in that book too.
0: Mm-hmm. Cut to the scene in the kitchen. Adriana is there with a black eye. Tony sees it. I love that they give the simultaneous line there where tony sees it she's beat chris hit her and beat her up and uh he hit her what for is his is his question <laughs> and she says he was high as carmela is simultaneously saying what's the difference tony which is the correct answer <laughs> and uh yeah he he corrals them in and, and talk the, the idea of an intervention comes up because, but Tony immediately throws cold water on that. We deal with this as a family. I got to spell it out for you. There's a look of this resigned disappointment of understanding on the face of the women for that, but also it's a continuing source of frustration for everyone involved that to quote what Tony said to Beansy in season two, we do our own dirty laundry.
2: Well, a couple of scenes ago, we were talking about bottom. I think bottom for Adriana is the pitiful defense defensive flex on Chris please don't hurt him but i feel for her she she loves him she really cares she when she when they're taking him to that place she wants him to get better yeah she really does
0: yeah there there are it's a complicated thing with a relationship because there could have been a reading of a scene like this or a, a pitiful line like that where she's scared for her own rebut like whatever is going to come back on her for going to tony about this but we see her later in in rehab with him she really does care about him and love him that's not with her it's not don't hurt him because if he you hurt him he'll hurt me it's don't hurt him because i genuinely love him and don't want to see him hurt she still has even though we are able to discuss just how fucked and trapped she is i don't think she sees she feels it but i don't think she sees it just how truly trapped she is yet but yeah, pitiful line. Absolutely devastating way to end that scene. We get that quick moment at Pauly's house where he hangs the picture. We see the seat covers we were just talking about. Moving along, why am I always having to come here? AJ kills these Furio scenes. These scenes where Carmela goes <laughs> to Furio's house. He's so
1: funny. He's so <laughs> yeah, funny.
0: Yeah, he's really good. Robert Eiler just cr- of all the stuff he's done this season, Robert Eiler crushes these.
1: <laughs> yeah the, the look on his face when he realizes that they're going to have a cup of coffee which he knows means it's going to be a fucking hour long <laughs> it, it's so good yeah yeah um, to, to quote him from an earlier episode i'm so bored i feel like crying i mean i think this is <laughs> this is that kind of thing there's nothing for a child
0: at furio's house at all let alone a hyperactive annoying <laughs> teenager she's talking about mirrored backsplash this is one of those scenes that is very much about what's not being said Right. This is, there's so many moments in the show that all of three of us, especially because all three of us are writers. That's the one thing all three of us still to this day have in common. Some of us used to act used to whatever we dabble in directing, whatever act. Sometimes the one thing the three of us have in common is writing. So there are lots of times in the show where we praise the scripts and praise the writing. To me, this scene really is a showcase in in quality acting because the, it's all there. It's all the, the the connection they're feeling beneath the surface, and what they want to say, and what's not being said. It's uh, it feels like an old, like an old romance in a, in a way. It's it's. Oh, it's I loved it's it. It's dangerous.
1: I loved it. And also I laughed out loud when I realized he was putting on a, literally putting on a boiling kettle while they were yes. talking. I mean, it, it doesn't get more obvious than that. I mean, that's right. that's wonderfully obvious.
0: Yes. Yes. It's obvious in all the right ways. And uh, that's what love is built on. He gives her the balsamic vinegar, which was sort of a not really gift. Obviously I'm sure she enjoyed it, but it's uh well, he talks about not belonging here anymore, but he doesn't feel you feel not belonging there anymore. in Italy he feels like a stranger in his own town. Carmela asks, what about the, the girlfriend? No girlfriend. There's no communication like there is with some people. Communication. That's what love is built on. And then this is great timing for AJ. So why did you come back? That's a big line that sat there on the table and could have mm. really escalated this to the next level. And then AJ comes in. They have a date at Comp USA, and he will not be late for it. He has stuff to do. <laughs> so Carmella realizes, all right, got to go to Comp USA, get this magic stick, be in touch kind of thing. The boiling, the steam boils. Beautiful. Just a great, great fun scene there. What it, what it, let, what it showed me was Furio's not going to be able to let this go his efforts in the previous scene are not going to be long lasting. There's something missing in his life. If he can't feel at home here or in Italy, he's going to look for love. He's going to look for something to fill that hole.
2: Yeah. I didn't know if it was deliberate, but um, his gift to meadow was uh, the Inferno of Dante, which Dante wrote in exile, which Furio seems like he's embodying. The story in the Inferno is also one of uh, an un- Culminated romance of a kind, uh, unrequited love, obsessive love. All this is leaking into the sexual tension in this scene, which is palpable, as Jordan mentioned, with the screaming pot <laughs> at the end. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree. Well done, well acted. And kind of embodies what I think ultimately Carmela is going to talk about with Rosalie, just living for these f- five-minute conversations. Rosalie says it's not real. Carmela's like it is real it's like the only thing that's real in her life which again is pitiful in a way but it's what she's grabbing onto in this otherwise unfulfilling existence again i think this episode's tapping into some pretty bleak stuff but it's powerful
0: speaking of bleak stuff how about ice in homemade italian red wine uh (laughs)
1: yeah
0: yeah. <laughs> my god this mic is muted but paul just cracked up it's hilarious <laughs> yeah oh anyway svetlana is covering for bronca i don't know i couldn't i can't tell what the xf it's bronca or blanca but one of the two is the uh the registered nurse that's looking after junior junior's down for a nap furios with tony brings the wine they all toast it needs ice furio and tony stare as she puts ice in it And then Furio goes off to watch the Bloomberg. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Tony sits and chats with a bit. He's impressed that Svetlana knows how to do a website, which I'd be impressed if someone knows how to do one now. And it's 20 years after the fact. So in 2002, this is a big deal. Someone knows how to do a website. Tony wouldn't, wouldn't be able to figure it out. He's being a little flirty with her. She's, very nonchalant. Eh, people are people. I like that line. Tony tells her, you have every, look at you, you have every excuse to be in the bottle. And she's so cavalier that she doesn't even notice at first that, or no, realize at first that he's talking about the fact that she has one leg. I, uh, I don't think of it at, at first, I think is the line she says. Thoughts well, on this little spark with Svetlana. And also just as a general point of order here, Tony is off the charts with the womanizing this season, in particular. In particular, he's always had the Gumar's right, but like he is, for lack of better way of saying this, just fucking every person he can.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, uh, we we have to take that as a parallel because the dissatisf- uh, even though I, I, it is his fault, the dissatisfaction in this marriage is is so bad. Mm. um that neither one of them are are really getting out of it what they uh what they need mm. uh i'm not saying it's Carmela's fault it's it's tony's fault no but um well the way like her expressing the dissatisfaction are these five minute flirtations with furio as often as she can get them and tony because he's tony it's uh i'm gonna fuck as many women as i can including my uncle's you know my my uncle's nurse ex-girlfriend's best friend like Svetlana like the the character you would least suspect Tony to have feelings for even though she's always been a babe but uh, you know it's it it is so unusual I didn't remember this by the way I don't think I've ever seen these episodes and I was like I can't is this really happening and when when they finally actually do it I'm like get the fuck out (laughs) of (laughs) here
0: yeah we'll get we'll, we'll get to the actual deed but the he's definitely flirting and tossing out vibes here to be fair. We're not blaming Carmella, but neither one of them are getting their needs met from this marriage. Cause they're both just not in it. They're both, their heads are not in it. We get a brief cutaway here before we come back to juniors in a second of Paulie making eye contact with the photo with the depict with the painting. Something is not sitting right with him about it. He keeps looking over his shoulder at Tony staring at him. Something needs to be done. We'll come back to that.
2: I like this conversation. The, um, the, hang on, sorry. The yeah. gift that Furio got for, um, AJ is, uh, the little man. I think it's called Gabetto or something. Yeah. Um, it's supposed to fend off the evil eye. That's the idea. It's, the, the, Italians are superstitious. So is this, again, the evil eye or the perception of the malocchio that, Polly's being watched. Polly thinks he's caught out in some way. Mm. again, I don't I, I know we speculate on this. I don't know. I'm just my my notes for these scenes mostly are this is weird. so i don't I don't have like an explanation. I'm just throwing things out there. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the
1: painting as an enchanted object in this episode is a really interesting piece.
2: i
0: I'm sure I can actually buy it somewhere too. I would love that painting anyway.
1: Uh, Chris, don't get that painting.
0: I will not. I will not get that painting.
1: <laughs> you will constantly look at it with regret and suspicion. <laughs> he's
2: rather important to be Napoleon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like this conversation with Junior, even though I, it's sad to think of Chris being murdered by Tony, despite the condition he's in. I like his... A dog you love catches rabies you put it out of its misery anthony and then here's the thing is if we're going by mob rules this is absolutely correct junior is giving the old the correct old school boss answer like are you kidding what if the feds get him in this condition tony says it later but it is literally true if it were anybody else this is the clear and obvious answer
1: Sure, Junior is also ironically giving this advice while we start to notice his own faculties are slipping. So we we can't ignore that either. The shaving cream is a very telling sign. If -hmm. you want to go a step further, foaming at the mouth is a sign of rabies. He literally has the shaving foam still on his face. Um, So there's there's that. He looks, um, unfortunately, very weak in this
2: scene. Mm. Tony also Mm. just recently trusted Chris to do a murder cleanup with him Yeah. to realize only say a week later that this kid is compromised at a level that you didn't understand before means that this is going to sound really bleak. I think Tony's already considered this. Junior is talking like Tony hasn't thought of this yet, but I do think that Tony has considered it and he he goes the other way. He says, I don't think I can do that other thing, but I, I do. I do think it's a real possibility. That it could have gone there, and it was a, a difficult decision.
0: Tony mentions uh, to Junior this guy who's b and E guy, breaking and entering, as for those for those uninitiated in the criminal underworld, who does interventions. And Junior, of course, just his only reaction be interventions. Me with the you with the head shrinkers, and me with these competency hearings, like good lord, a, sort of a what the fuck has happened to us kind of expression. <laughs> Cut to Carmela confiding in Rosalie. We always love seeing Rosalie on this show. She's so
2: good. She's so funny. She She, really is.
0: Sharon Angel is a terrific actor. Always nails it. And the character's great too.
2: This is the first we heard of her having an
0: affair, right? Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Steve at the gym. (laughs) Yeah. It uh, took Jackie going to the hospital to get her to stop. Carmela is speaking as if she's in a great romance novel. And Rosalie is speaking like a jaded jersey housewife i love it yeah so you're not fucking him so it's not real oh uh, yeah it's and she's like no it is real those he took he looks at me like i'm beautiful he he's interested in the things i have to say which i don't know if that's totally true they're communicating but i don't know that M- M- furio cares about mirror backsplash i think he he just feels what they're not saying but it's the communication that's the point she feels heard she feels attracted to she feels a connection something she's not getting at home and Rosalie just gives her very practical advice. If you haven't fucked them, you haven't slept with them yet, don't. And don't go over there anymore. Well, I guess it was that easy, right? That's the answer, right?
1: No, that That's it.
0: <laughs> but really, this is a great way for Carmela to have given us her. This is a Greek chorus of sorts for her to really explain what's going on for her. How she lives for those few minutes every day. And what a sad thing, by the way to have five minutes of your day. I think about that, like some of those coffee visits with Furio, some of them might last 10 minutes. Tony's up there shaving or something's going wrong or he's slow to move. And other days he might just come in. Tony comes right down and she feels robbed and her whole day's ruined. Just, but what a way to live that that's what you're living for. It's just those few minutes a day. It's tragic.
2: Sounds like somebody waiting for a fix. Yeah. As And as Jordan mentioned, I think at the top here, there's, there's a lot of great forwards to danger, be it in the last episode or a couple episodes ago when Furio's uncle says, your only option is to walk away or you could kill the guy. So we're ratcheting up the tension, the danger there, and Rosalie ratchets up the danger on the other end. You know what will happen with Fu- to Furio if Tony finds out these guys are living in another century. Mm-hmm. Great forward to how this is gonna, this is going somewhere not great, we just don't know where yet.
0: New character alert. <laughs> Though I don't know how much more we're going to see of him. This is uh, this is Dominic, played by actor Elias Codius. He's most known to me. The second I see this guy, I'm a child of the '90s, in late '80s. I see Casey Jones when I see this guy from the Ninja oh, yeah. Tur- from the Ninja Turtles movies. <laughs> yep. Classic. <laughs> yeah, Classic. Yeah. 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 But uh, he does a nice job with this with this 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 guy who used to be a breaking and entering expert who. They wanted to do an intervention with somebody who could connect with the fact that these are all people involved in organized crime. But uh, I also like Paulie's, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a recovering addict or whatever. And then Pauly, and don't forget scumbag. Like Paulie's just off of it immediately. Doesn't like this guy.
1: So funny. And like what we hear about him later is so good too. Just like they give this guy so much history, even though I guess we'll never see him again. Probably. I don't know.
0: Yeah. They do a good job of giving you exactly who this guy is. And it's very funny, the little bits they give you. He's presenting this idea of an intervention to these folks. Any of you have been a part of an intervention before? <laughs> Silvio says he caught our daughter smoking pot once, but not really, no. As... He mentions that this is a non-judgmental confrontation or carefrontation. <laughs> I can't imagine with a straight face saying the word carefrontation to a room full of mob guys. That's just hilarious. He says, my first time in recovery, your first time, Great. So he's taking advice from a two time loser.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's it's really funny. But again, darkly funny. This this uh, I have to say in terms of writing and I'm always I admire the writing on this show so much. I really do. It's like nothing else. Like everybody got the memo. Everyone who is working on this episode. It has such a consistent tone. It's really, really good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, they got. They got, as far as I'm concerned, their A team writers for season four on this. It's story sure. by David, yeah, story by David Chase. And then they got Robin Green, Burgess, and Terrence Winter.
1: That's what I'm saying. You you mentioned at the top of this episode as well, this episode has a peculiarly large number of collaborators for this particular episode. Yeah. Which I, I think is really cool. Cause it's um I I it's just it's a it's a real feat because this episode is actually trying to thread to me a, a really like tiny needle of just being like, hey, we're gonna do a really dark episode where a lot of bad things happen and we're going to do a full intervention and uh, we're really confronting a lot of things here. And also it's going to be one of our funniest episodes. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. You know, yeah. it's,
0: it's tough. Agreed. There are no losers in recovery. We'll see. We'll see how all this goes, but this is a great setup for what I and, and Paul mentioned earlier. I ha- I concur is probably the funniest scene in the entire Sopranos canon. We'll talk about it. We're almost there. But we're going to touch down first on a story thread that was, has been building little bit by little bit. And this is the only bit of it we're going to get in this episode. We're going to come back to it again soon, but Paulie spilled the beans to Johnny sack that Tony is involved in this new HUD scheme with Zellman. There was a previous deal Tony had going with Zellman earlier in the season that came out Pauly again, Paulie yakin, And so the, the, this, the statement from New York was we share Zellman. So anything you do with Zellman, we get a piece of. So this was news to Johnny. So Johnny does what a good friend perhaps to Tony would, would do, which is tries to meet and work it out with him before Carmine finds out because Carmine has to find out Tony shuts, throws cold water on it. He's on his way to tavern on the green. Valentina's looking forward to the veal medallions. <laughs> They're going out for a nice dinner and Tony just doesn't, Says, "Nope, you got nothing coming to you. And Johnny issues a very calm. You sure you want to go down this road, Tony? Tony turns and storms off. That's it. He's not going to play the game. So this is potentially very bad. Could be. We don't know how bad it could get yet. How how serious are they taking this? But Tony drew a line in the sand on this. And New York is not just going to be okay with it.
1: Yep, uh, this is one of our many threats that is over Tony's head in this episode.
2: As you said earlier in the season, Chris, they're starting to thread a lot of stuff through. So there's not a whole lot of touchdown on this storyline threading with Polly in New York, New York, the, the hut connection and the sharing of, of Zelman, all that. But we don't need a bunch of scenes hmm. to show us that things are ratcheting up and could get dangerous. All you need is... The Johnny Sack dead eye stare. Are you yep. sure you want to go down this road? That's all you need, right?
0: Yep. And of, of course, ha- having this clandestine meeting, a lot of the camera setups in the scene are set up so that you see the looming New York City skyline towering over New Jersey, a uh, visual suggestion of the power that Sack and Lupertazzi have over Tony Soprano if they need it.
2: As good a time as any to mention, in addition to the great writing. Uh, names that put together this episode alan taylor directed it i believe he's a he's a soprano's all-star and yeah he does great work
0: yep paulie is getting the painting adjusted he wants (laughs) to change up the face a little bit and make him a general like napoleon uh, or napoleon and his horse this is a little portly for napoleon the thing you quoted earlier paulie i love that line it's so funny Uh, not napoleon exactly like napoleon So Paulie maybe figures that this weird feeling he's getting with Tony staring at him might go away. If you put do a little, little adjustment on it, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Tony calls a meeting in the back of the Bing. I always like seeing Tony in this role. This, these things fascinate me when you see something in the mob life that you would see in any business, which is something weird has happened. So you call a staff meeting. This is, I like seeing Tony in a managerial role and a normal format in an abnormal circumstance so i, I always like things like mm-hmm. that so tony calls a meeting I, mm-hmm. and he does a very smart thing considering the situation he's in which is he probably had the idea the moment he left that meeting with johnny sack there it is there's my out on ralphie but he's careful with it i can't start a war because it's a, it's a lie and it's new york But if I just put it out there, hey, I think Ralph and that shit with John and the Esplanade, they confronted him about this HUD thing and it went sour. Nobody make any moves without talking to me first. But I want a full investigation. This is smart. Well played by Tony, I think as as far as being a good gang leader goes. He's threading a a dangerous needle here because one slip up on the street can propel this into a very violent situation. Yeah, but Potentially not a bad uh, not a bad way to spin this for now, especially with guys talking about how this could have been. Tony It gets him off the, his trail a little bit, and the story's plausible because the the very public situation with John and the joke about Ginny.
1: Yeah, I, again, uh, there's a lot of people who could have killed Ralph, so it's it's yeah. not a hard point to sell, and I think Tony does a good job of it. Yeah, and we're here the
0: big scene. That I think of this when is I think it. Of this episode. This is
1: the showcase scene for the episode.
0: I think this is the funniest scene in the Sopranos in total. Uh, there are a lot more laughs to come. We've had a lot of laughs before this. Nothing gets me like this scene. It's 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 just I had to pause it 18 times watching it <laughs> to, to write to write stuff down. We don't need to quote it word for word, but good god, just watch this scene over sometime. The the, the way it's built, the whole setup. Chris comes out, he's shocked. By this intervention the idea of a mob intervention i mean that's a sitcom episode that in that
1: in itself that's like another like that was like a that could have been a pitch for the series yeah yeah just like mob guy goes to therapy is the same thing as mob <laughs> guy gets an intervention it's it's a great construct yeah
0: comes out you're the gay yeah, you're the guy who stole all those uh pork loins from Stu leonards
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes but that's that's not why we're here
0: <laughs> the big pork loin caper of Stu leonards i love that we're here to talk to you about your drug problem. Chris is totally, what? He's absolutely perplexed that this is happening. And uh, he gets told to sit down. He won't do it. Then Tony finally has to say, sit, as if to say, no, this is serious. And you're going to sit down and listen. Starts smoking, notices his mother's there. Ma, Jesus. And uh, on it goes with the care confrontation begins. Uh,
1: the <laughs> The care a word that I'm sure Janice would use.
0: <laughs> Passes it to Adriana, who starts reading from her letter. It's sweet. It's 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 uh, something I believe she would write. It's written, it's delivered in a way that, like, okay, we know Adriana's style and intellect. And so she's going on, and Dominic reminds her you need to be specific on. Paul, the cut to Polly's face when she's mentioning the impotence i can't with that. Like just Polly, like oh. <laughs> when he's like, "You know, you can no longer function as a man."
2: Well, I was about to say that's the funniest moment, but then Silvio talks, so <laughs> 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 it just keeps going. It keeps getting funny. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's just so good and it she mentions the dog and then this is a big beat shift in the scene whoa, 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 whoa you killed a dog tony perks right up at that and, and Polly gives me one of the low-key low-key one of the funniest lines in the scene too oh what was it barking <laughs> like that's a, a like he could maybe wrap his head around killing a dog for that reason you know it's, it's just so funny oh what was it barking and it gets blown right over tony you're getting emotional that's because i know what it's like to lose a pet how could you not see it there on the chair Big uh, loaded stuff there, especially coming off the heels of that scene with Melfi, where we see how emotional Tony gets over the animals. And uh, you kill little Cosette, I ought to suffocate you,
2: you little prick. Tony's response to pain is not laughter, it's rage. Yeah. So we're coming back to that too. He's getting inordinately angry about this thing that's not constructive, which, of course, is what all the characters are doing in this scene silvio's weird stuff about the toilet water makes no it doesn't it's not relevant um i love when Paulie says i don't write anything down it's like nobody asked um uh, just insane i mean yeah mob guy in mob guy in therapy mob guy in intervention it doesn't work for the same reasons just before this scene tony covered for a murder that he did and then it's like why can't we be honest with each other it's because that's not what you fucking do
0: right and and as well and the whole thing comes the whole thing comes unraveled when chris is like are you kidding me like you you want to once it starts talking about oh i thought we were being honest here and spitting some things that definitely shouldn't be said in front in front of everybody here thing collapses on itself but yes this Lily and I always say to each other, oh, "Your head was in the toilet. Your hair was in the toilet water. Disgusting."
1: <laughs> the- for a second, for a second, I thought he also wrote down the word "disgusting."
0: Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like those are three different sentences. Yeah. Your, head, your hair. Your head was in the toilet. Your hair was in the toilet water. Disgusting. <laughs> <sighs> oh. Fucking beautiful. Beautiful. And, and yeah, of course, Paulie, you want to talk non judgmental. I mean, for fuck's sake, I don't know, I'll keep this short. You're weak, you're out of control, and you become an embarrassment to yourself and everybody else, <laughs> which of course is the perfect thing to say in a non judgmental confrontation. Now, surely okay. that won't uh, escalate. Uh,
1: well, this is a care frontation. So, come yeah.
0: On. <laughs> Tony manages to put the, the cork back on the bottle for a moment. With the, we're here to talk about you killing yourself with drugs, not my fucking personality. Carmela mentions the fact that Chris, I uh, love this callback, went on for twenty minutes at uh, to- at Livia's wake.
1: Yes, this is a that's a really good callback because it's yeah. something the audience we all remember what happened with that.
0: Remembered and loved, and <laughs> my mother's wake. Jesus Christ, <laughs> oh man! Chris mentions the woods with the Russian guy. Things are escalating. Pauly gets up, mentions something about Tony's weight, the way you eat, whatever. Paulie grabs Chris by the shirt, says, this is the boss of this family. The mother, Chris's mother says, good. Somebody talk some goddamn sense into him. My own mother now. Fuck you, you fucking hua. And of course, I love this, this is great writing. You do not disrespect your mother or talk to your mother that way in front of Pauly Walnuts. Boom. The mother thing, he decks him and then it turns into an all out royal rumble uh, in in the in the Multisanti living room. Benny gets put through the table. Uh, It's just absolute mayhem and chaos. You can't not laugh at it. But of course, this is how this went. Really, what should have happened uh, was Tony just should have knocked some sense into him privately. And I mean, maybe even slapped him around or something. This (laughs) is although it gets him into rehab. So who knows? Anything else to say about the intervention scene before we move on, boys?
1: I guess I would just briefly touch down on even though Chris is way out of line, some of these guys should be taken to task to a couple for a couple of the things that Chris brings up. Mm. Silvio probably should not be having sex With all those women that's very bad for business Forget his marriage um, <laughs> You know Pauly and the Russian in that whole situation is bad That really should have been looked at more closely Than simply Tony being like If this comes back you deal with it you pay for it uh, You know Tony's eating of food and his relationship with food is a is a huge problem that no one talks to him about these men are all worthy of interventions of their own Mm. so you know chris yes chris is the one that has the heroin problem right now it's destroying his life it's destroying the lives of other people but this is this scene is so good and is so funny and is so watchable because the hypocrisy is rampant and chris chris calls it out
0: yeah, no one in this room has any moral ground over Chris. He's being right. lectured about his drug use by murderers. Right. And thieves. murderers
1: and, and other abusers and people who are addicted to other stuff, sex, uh, yeah. food. Um, you know, it, th- this is the, the wrong room to to hold him in judgment. And, and that's why you're so disappointed in, in I don't know what we want to call him, Dominic, the interventionist for <laughs> just, you know, thinking that this had a chance. <laughs> We're getting close to
0: the end here. This uh, Christopher situation resolves itself in the hospital. I love the flimsy excuse he was on the counter spraying for ants. It's great. <laughs> Are you aware he has a drug problem? Oh, really? Tony goes in, and this is this is the crucial conversation. Tony finally has it out, and uh, you know, uh, if it were anybody else, they'd have had their intervention in the back of the head. I looked you in the eye. I told you you were the future of this family, and you looked me in the eye, and you accepted it, and you were fucking high. He's really. Laying it in here and putting it on the line. I got to worry if you're going to flip on me over a nickel bag of white powder. Chris is, I'm never, no, Tony, never. You're going to go to this rehab place. You're going in, you're staying in, you go to every fucking meeting and Patsy's going to be a mile down the road at a hotel. Do you understand what I'm saying? And uh, I love
1: that Patsy's the button man.
0: Yeah. I, just, I love that. just Patsy is, is, is Tony's, uh, go get shit done guy right now. It's really yeah. really fun. It's not glamorous Patsy never gets the glamorous jobs but uh, he he he's 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 all dependable in a way like that
1: right I just I love that thread of just like well if this doesn't go well, Patsy's gonna kill you yeah
0: exactly <laughs> you <know? laughs> So yeah uh, Chris breaks down how to fucking get to this this is it look this 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 really was the culmination of Chris's drug use uh, for this moment this is it's all been leading to this question is this is another one of those rev- resolutions that leads to more questions how is yep. he going to do in rehab is it going to work is he going to clean up are we going to see chris is this in the end of chris for season four who knows we'll get there but uh this is uh this is this is a long time coming a long time coming this whole intervention and this culmination and uh this is this is the gun that was placed in act one coming back out for the for act two. We'll see how we'll see what happens here. Tony shows up at Junior's with some pastries. Junior's napping again. How about these Mets? Tony says some very flattering things to her. I love this line where he tells her you, you got this little smile, like you got your own private joke. He's really putting on the romance here. Uh, I like when she tells them people like me, that's the purpose of people like me to inspire. uh, (laughs) What is, what does she say to,
1: to the purpose for me is for people to inspire people like you. Yeah.
0: Inspire people like you. Yeah. And they have a very fascinating exchange here. This, this exchange always stuck with me as one of the things I take away from this episode where she lays it out about how Americans have too much time to think about themselves and how we never expect anything bad to happen and we're surprised when it does, we have everything and still we complain. And yet the rest of the world only expects bad things to happen and they're not disappointed. That is a very Eastern Western thing. I feel like that, that yeah. the, 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 West, the, East has a very realistic cyclical sense of the tragedy of life. And that if you have a good moment, it's fleeting and it won't be there for long, but we, we have this idea in the West that we can always we're gonna the, the good stuff's around the corner and there's always going to be more and more and more and more. Uh, I, I think this is an interesting perspective for Tony to hear here. What do, what do we make of this little scene? And then of course, it devolves into the uh, Tony seducing her ultimately. And
2: well, the reason that I chose that quote was because of the reason I chose the quote that you have too much time to think about yourselves is because of, I think, the ways in which, the characters in this show get in their own way and i think there's a reflection of um i guess the west i would say more specifically the difference between america and everywhere else is that for the most part everywhere else they get that life is tragic they get that life is tragic and we keep being surprised by it yeah Yeah. so i think she is laying something down there i think the strong silent type mythology is something that she's going after but She is a strong, silent type. She doesn't need to say much. She is tough. She doesn't need to act tough. She doesn't need to put on a show. And Tony is struck by that. And then, a deeper level, I think, is attracted to her, Um, which is the other thing that's going on in this scene. He talks about her hair in the particular light, flowing, beautiful, very feminine, much more feminine than what Carmela's is looking like right now. He talks about Greta Garbo, um, who was another American icon who was not, in fact, American. She was from Sweden. (laughs) So all this is coming together in this, uh, what ends up being a sensual scene. But instead of another conquest, she kind of tells Tony to take a walk at the end. (laughs) Yeah. Well,
0: one thing I I do want to point out, too, to your point, is that he compliments her many times throughout the episode or or, or, or says something that is uplifting. Like you have every reason to be miserable and you're not. Have you ever reason to be hitting the bottle and look at you, you're doing this. And she kind of shrugs it off. It's like, ah, I don't really think about my leg much. I get through, life. I do what I gotta do. If I don't know what to do, I call Bill or I learn it. You know, whatever. She's a very practical, pragmatic, strong, silent type sense to her. So she doesn't need to be told she's the strong, silent type. Tony does. And when she is flirting back with him she says to him exactly what he wants to hear which is you have some good qualities you're strong full of life and her complimenting tony is what he's looking he wants that he loves to hear that she said exactly the right thing and they're on they're gonna do it so yeah the actual strong silent one here doesn't need to be told that they're the strong silent type, but it, it does something for Tony to be reassured of that, which bites him in the ass when he proposes an ongoing affair. And her response is essentially, I don't want to have to prop you up. I have my own problems.
1: <laughs> yeah. A little, little wor- word play there about being propped up. And she is a person that has one leg. Yes. Uh, there's, there's that too.
0: You're a nice guy, but I have my own problems. Tony's just gobsmacked by that. Excuse me. He's just shocked. He doesn't, he, 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 he doesn't, get it yet or if he does get it he doesn't want to acknowledge it
2: i think i've said this before but this is another example even in broken english svetlana has a certain clarity i don't want all the time to have to prop you up so yeah isn't that what would happen (laughs) it's exactly
0: like the scene ends when bronca or blanca i have to look at the credits i i should have just taken the two minutes to just look that up but i think when bronca shows up and sees them they kind of stir a little bit. They weren't in the midst of it, but it's it's pretty obvious what was going on. Oh, yeah, on.
1: That's, that's clear.
0: So they were walked in on. And then we get this uh, interesting juxtaposed ending here with Furio and Tony having their respective meals. I like the way this is put together. Good editing here. The two guys, Tony going home, Carmela's not there. Furio getting up. Two, two lonely soldiers having their their dinner alone together in a weird way.
1: Yeah, I'm having a little trouble reading the back and forth here. Uh, I was actually hoping maybe the two of you could clarify this. Is this supposed to be... What are these contrasting scenes supposed to be showing us exactly? Do you know what I mean? I, I understand these men are two different men. I've always actually... I mean, they aren't they more similar than they are different? I, I don't know. What's What are we being shown here exactly?
0: My take on it is that Furio is closer to the uh, strong silent type than Tony. And we have a lot of stuff about in this episode about Furio missing home and, and and being in America, the whole sequence of him in the car and this place feeling strange for him. And I think it's, it's, it's really a commentary on the cultures and what Svetlana was actually just talking about, actually, in my opinion, which is that Furio doesn't have time to reflect on his own problems because he's grating his own cheese and he's cooking his meal from scratch. But Tony, the American man is sitting there watching his food heat up in the microwave. I think it's just kind of, it's, it's a visual illustration of exactly what Svetlana was just talking about. It was this, this, uh, this idea that the American culture is, it's instant. It's, it's, he didn't have to put any thought or time into his dinner. It's just there for him. And he's still just as miserable as the guy who went through this effort of putting together this beautiful meal. You know, I don't know. Am I, I think I'm on the thread there if I'm, if I'm not nailing exactly what I mean by all this, but I, I don't know. If you have any thoughts on that, Paul? I,
2: yeah. I don't know, Paul, what do you think? I, I really don't know. No, I mean, I hadn't thought of it that way about the uh, quality of the American, but it actually made me think that even though Chris is our, not Chris Moltisanti, but our Chris, even though he is an American, Chris is, Chris preparing a meal alone would look a lot more like Furio than Tony. Yeah, because Chris likes to cook. I do, and um, and and just no, and just ha- like he could make a dinner. I think out of anything, like oh, there's a few things in here. I'm going to make this, but but yes, there is a juxtaposition there, and then you feel the loneliness of both guys. That was the big thing for me. Yeah, I guess as as you said, Chris, dinner together alone. And then also Polly's loneliness, which yeah. ends the episode. All this feels like uh, painful as well as tense. Because as we've talked about, it's not just the dark side of the soul and our loneliness, but there are looming threats here. So th- that was the sense that I got from it. It's not, it wasn't oh, here's what they're clearly trying to say, I guess it was more the feeling that I got from it, which was again, like attention and a forwarding, like, all right, I, I want to see what's happening next.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah. I I think all of that is thrown into the, everything we all just said is thrown in the salad in some way, but uh, that's, that's, yeah, I agree with you, Paul. I think it's, it's about the feeling. It's just, it's interesting imagery. It's well put together. It, it sets these two men apart and, and also pits them against each other and just uh, as far as cues to the viewer it's 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 very much saying like this is uh this is the big thrust of what's going on this season is what's going to happen with this situation with C- Tony and Furio so keep your eye on it and then speaking of eyes yet again <laughs> the eye of the painting the final scene of this uh darkly comic episode is this darkly comic painting which has so much emotion tied up in it but at the same time Tony looks hilarious in that Napoleonic general <laughs> haberdashery there and Paulie hangs it up in his house and looks satisfied for a second but can't help but glimpse back over cut to the drums and credits what do we make of this last uh, little beat here and any fi- and, that- and that's the end of the episode so any final thoughts you have on the strong silent type let me know what do you got
1: yeah well first I, I just want to address the painting I think Pauly fails to see, maybe he does realize in the end why the painting bothers him so much, because Pauly's been talking behind the back of the family, and now he's brought Tony's eyes into his home, where they're boring literally into the back of his skull, you can put Tony in a different costume, but it's still him, you still know who it is, the the eyes are the same. Um, also notable is that Napoleon dies in exile mm. and I, I did look it up because I, I feel like Napoleon had a famous horse that he did actually Marengo apparently the horse's name was mm. uh, the horse outlived him I don't think there's a direct parallel to Piomai, but that that is there is something to that but yeah there's a manifestation of Paulie's guilt that is present in that painting and it really uh, it bothers him it bothers him in a way that is is palpable through the end of that scene. Uh, The only thing I'm going to touch down on, because I think we really investigated the intervention really nicely, is just I love how this episode sets up a number of different threats where we don't really know what's going to hit by the end of the season. I want to say in seasons one through three, we had a much clearer idea of what was going to come down in the last few episodes. Mm. This season, we're playing it a little bit more loose. And I think in a good way, because I'm really not sure, is it like... Are we leading to a confrontation between Tony and Furio is Furio going to try to take Tony out? How does that plot resolve? Uh, How do we resolve New York? Because we know that they cannot be insulted thusly and it doesn't seem like they can negotiate effectively with Tony is Tony going to pay the ultimate price for what he has done with Ralph. Are people going to catch wise to that? Or is somebody as is often the case on the Sopranos is somebody else going to catch that bullet that's intended for for tony there's a lot of rich conflict around things and of course we've really i think more than anything turned up the dial on tony's inside right just his dissatisfaction with his life himself how he perceives the world and also how he is perceived
0: extremely well said
1: yeah why do i have to follow
2: that that's not fair (laughs) um so (laughs) i agree and I think something in this episode, I, I'm also super obsessed with the, uh, the writing and the life of Dante, which comes up with the gift that uh, Fiorio gives to Meadow. And was talking about hell, and Tony brings up God in his therapy session. But does God send us to hell, or do we really make hell for ourselves through our bullshit or our lives or the way we the ways we delude ourselves. And as Jordan mentioned, Paulie has put himself in this position of falling under the sense of guilt that he is that he is talking out of school. And as Jordan mentioned, this is setting up dangerous and compelling forwards to where we're going. So our audience is probably tired of hearing this how I was initially wrong about this season when I watched it 20 years ago. But the slow burn is really working now it's turning up it's exciting it's brooding it's powerful it's unpredictable no i mean yes i know now because i've seen the season before where it's going but you're watching this it's like where the hell is this going to go and wherever it is i have to see it
0: yeah i agree with everything you guys said not only are all these conflicts so deliciously set up to the point where you don't know how they're going to resolve what's going to happen, who's going to show down with who, but also the severity of the consequences are not clear either. We don't know how bad this thing is going to get with New York. We don't know how bad is this Carmela Furio thing going to resolve in one confrontation? Is it going to be an ongoing thing? Is Chris coming back? What's going on with Paulie? So the severity of these things, it's to, to pile onto exactly what Jordan said It's very clear at a certain point in season one okay junior and tony are basically at war and it's whoever's going to win first and then it's richie april and and these things all resolve themselves in surprising and dramatic ways but the stakes are high but it's not clear when how or with whom all of this is going to come down on and it makes for a very unsettling season so And I mean unsettling in a good way. There's this sickly, unsecure, unmoored feeling, which is very deliberate because I think a lot of Americans, particularly of the Tony Soprano ilk, were feeling that way in post 9-11 America. It's good stuff. And now that the season is resolving in all of these ways, we're going to be able to have a lot more frank conversations about this season as a whole. And I'm very excited to cover it. But coming up next is the episode Calling All Cars. A lot of big things happen in that episode. It's essentially, for my money, a direct sequel to this episode. A lot of the same threads are followed up on, and the stories that left themselves dangling in this one get picked right back up. There's some cool dream stuff happening, so we're going to talk about it in our next episode. But this has been a good one. That's it for Strong Silent Type. I'm Chris D'Amato.
1: I'm Paul Mancini. And I'm Jordan Hugh.
0: And we'll see you next time for Calling All Cars.
2: Disgusting. Go!